Hi, I'm Satban Guy, Chief Commercial Officer of Sovereign Metals Limited, which is listed on the ASX and AIM. We are developing the Cassia Rutile Graphite Deposit in Malawi, which is the world's largest rutile deposit and one of the world's largest graphite deposits. Well, I think that's the topic of the topic of the day, uh, which I want to talk to you about, if, if, if you don't mind. But first of all, uh, Sapan, um, we're joined today by um, Frank. Uh, so we're going to leap to him. Frank, uh, how are you? And uh, congratulations and welcome to the team. Thank you, Matthew. Thanks, uh, Sapan, for making the introduction of Sovereign. Um, yes, I, I joined officially on Friday last week. Uh, so the, the feet not quite uh, settled under the desk, but at least I have been in country since December last year. So 10, 11 months of on the ground um, experience and getting to know, you know, the lay of the land, so to speak, uh, in Malawi. Right. Okay. Well, because um, the reason I got you on this call is because news out of China suggests that they don't want to share anymore. Graphite is something that they value, something that they want and they need for their own their own uh, demand. Um, so, what does the West do about that? I mean, Sapan. I mean, just just on the macro side of things. I mean, how, how do you how do you view that statement out of China? Oh, look, nine, what ninety three percent of all anode material comes out of China. Um, you put a stop to that, or even if you bottleneck it, uh, it's going to have a big impact into the Western world. Um, we were looking at something like uh, 46% increase in uh, graphite in the Western world going into anode material. Now, all of a sudden, you're looking at everything on this, you know, this side, ex-China, all ending up going towards the anode market uh, just to make up a fraction of where electric vehicles and lithium-ion battery demand is probably going to get to. Right. Okay. So remind me um, what you've got in terms of the graphite component. We'll, we'll, we'll stay away from retail today. We know you've got what's largest deposits there, but let's stick with the graphite. What have you got? Remind us. Uh, so look, largest uh, one of the largest uh, graphite deposits in the world. Uh, it's a huge resource. Um, you know, well over 20 million tons of uh, flake graphite in the ground uh, that will be uh, mining as a, I, I hate to say byproduct because it's actually about half of our revenue now after the PFS came out, um, but we're probably the only uh, mine out there where graphite is a co-product rather than the main and only uh, material within within uh, the mine. But we're looking at producing off the back of our PFS numbers, something like 220,000 tons of uh, 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 240,000 tons of flake graphite for 25 years and that only mines 30% of our resource so far. In terms of revenue, that's about $8 billion of revenue over that initial life of mine um, and that's based on very um, conservative prices, uh, price estimates for our graphite basket. Right, and just and just sticking sticking with you, Sapan, on, on the macro before I get to Frank, is... Um, what do you think this announcement at China does to each? Obviously, ninety-three percent, big number. But what do you think that's going to do for pricing? Are we going to see bifurcation of, of, of pricing in the marketplace? Are we going to see people like they've done in lithium and and, and other battery metals kind of moving upstream to kind of capture and secure supply for the next five, ten, fifteen years? When what, what was what do you think the reaction is going to be? Yeah, totally. Look, there's no. Um... It's no surprise that graphite, as natural graphite specifically, has always been on the critical 
minerals list for the EU, for the US. Um, it's part of the uh, Japan-US uh, trade agreement um, backed by the, uh, the Inflation Reduction Act. When we were looking at pricing our own basket for the PFS, we went to a uh, we went to one specific commodities forecasting house, which has a very good understanding of where the market is going for battery minerals. Um, and they came back and told us that our basket, our graphite basket, should be priced at around just under two thousand seven hundred bucks a ton. Now. When you compare that to where the peers have been putting their basket prices uh, in their studies over the last few years, you're talking anywhere between 1400 to 1800 So already we're talking a premium product. Um, given that we're all ex-investment bankers, ex-accountants uh, and, uh, and prudent engineers, we decided to be as conservative as possible. And actually we went with uh, a, a price of about 1290 So that's way below any of the peers and a huge haircut to where the actual experts are saying our prices would be. Given the news out of China, there's no doubt that our price is going to start pushing up towards that uh, that, that price provided by the experts. Right, so real, real game changer here. So Frank, for, for you, let's, well, let's start a little bit. About, so give people a bit of background on um, who you are, what you've done, and what you've been brought in to try to do. Sure, Matthew, thanks. Um, so I've been working in you know neighboring countries um, to Malawi, uh, DRC, Mozambique, Zambia uh, over the last twenty years, really focusing on project development, you know feasibility of projects, definitive studies. Um, I spent a lot of time in China uh, looking to raise capital for a, a vanadium and steel project in Mozambique. So really, you know, have a, a, a a decent understanding of certainly what you know China is all about in Chinese investors, and and I think it's interesting that you know this project essentially from a geo you know geopolitics or political perspective is moving away from China, and I guess you know what what Sapin is is mentioning here is the fundamentals of this project is solid, it's strong. We've used conservative you know pricing forecasts, um, but. This news out of China really puts Casia on the map as, you know, the second largest graphite resource or deposit on the planet. Um, it's it's going to become, or undoubtedly will become, one of the key sources of long-term strategic or secure strategic supply of graphite. Um, and, I, you know, I think it's something which we really need People, well, I think people will, will will soon realize that. And given the strong fundamentals, the low operating cost, there's no doubt that we will displace a lot of the synthetic stuff um, coming out of China, uh, and well, not coming out of China anymore because of these curbs or you know the stri- the restrictions that they're putting on it. Um, so yeah, I, I think it it really adds to our story. It's something we you know we want the market to understand and. The fundamentals ultimately speaks for itself. What's it, what, come, come back to the, the, the final bit of my question, which was like, you know, what you've been brought on to do? Because obviously, it's not a, as Sapan says, it's not a byproduct. It's a secondary product or revenue stream, quite frankly, here, which now has just like it almost could you usurp the kind of the the excitement around the retail component. I mean, the retail is why Rio came in. They came in for a big chunk of money, um, and because it's a serious deposit, but. The pricing 
in the West is going to be affected. The thinking in terms of getting certainty around um, supply in a market which has just been, quite frankly, just almost shut down by the Chinese, it's going to it's going to just change the the landscape somewhat. So, come back to what you've been brought in to specifically do, and how do things change given this news? Well, I know you two two days with feet barely barely under the table, but what? What have you been talking about this weekend? Look, I mean, there's, um, you know, the the rugby, of course. Um, well, <laughs> <far> from that. <laughs> Stop it. Um, okay. Look, the, you know, there's, the fundamentals are strong. We've done the BF- BFS. Um, you know, this news changes a lot for us in terms of the focus, I guess, of what the project will ultimately or can deliver. Uh, yes, graphite is now as part out of coming out of the BFS 51, 52% of our, of our revenues. So it's as a byproduct or a secondary product or a co-product, whatever you want to call it. But the project still needs to be, we still need to progress it towards permitting. We still need to demonstrate that, you know, the BFS can be converted into a definitive study, which ultimately can be financed. Um, so there's a lot of work in country that needs to be done in terms of, you know, getting the government, you know, bringing the government alongside us or along with us. Uh, this is a project of scale that Malawi has never seen. Many countries have never seen projects of this scale. Um, so all of those steps still needs to be taken. So my role really is and have been over the last 10 months have been to, you know, establish the, the relationship with the government. Um, and the intention would be to, you know, move that along ramp it up alongside our technical team that we've appointed to make sure that we tick the boxes. You know, we can talk about the graphite market, but we still have to deliver the project. We still have to deliver, you know, the test work that we, that goes alongside. We still have to, you know, move along through through the process and ultimately get to where we want to be, you know, from a from a local government perspective, technical elements. Um, so, so Southan, obviously, you, you heard what Frank says. That it's obviously there, there's a process to to be got through and a process to be to be to be done, and that just takes time. Um, you, you can accelerate the process through to now, you know, in four short years, which is good. But what what does the market need to recognize in terms of not just what this exciting news are re- regarding graphite is, but in terms of your ability to get into production, is Rio? A you know a, 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 a you know cause causing some I guess uncertainty in the market. What is what are, what are what is it that they're trying to do? What are their their expectations? What should the market's expectations be of that relationship? Yeah, look. So uh, Rio clearly came in um, interested in the rutile. Why wouldn't they be first rutile find in 50, 60 years of its size? Uh, Rio produced about 1.2 million tons of uh, of titania slag uh, out of South Africa and um, out of Quebec. So us finding what could be one of the biggest disruptors in that uh, environment in the titanium space obviously piqued their interest. Um, and then as they got to know us better and as they got to know graphite, at the same time they were building out of battery minerals, uh, uh, division themselves uh, that's now up and running they've signed OEMs they've signed MOUs with a bunch of OEMs out there including BMW Ford, uh, Volvo these are all names where they want to 
uh, provide low carbon materials and battery minerals into that space. And look, next month there uh, that there'll be a, a Rio lab up and running where they'll be uh, building their own batteries in Melbourne. So, given that backdrop, you can understand exactly why uh, someone like Rio, who only really goes and invests in and looks for those tier one world-class assets that are really going to move the needle for a blue chip company of that size, you know, why they thought it was a good idea to put $40 million into play for an initial 15% um, and another $18 million of uh, of options uh, ready and waiting to come in over the next 10 months uh, to fund our DFS. And we're doing that DFS aligned with Rio Tinto. Uh, so the way I see it is the PFS that came out was almost, you know, the end of the beginning. It was like Sovereign 1.0, uh, a standalone junior ASX aim listed company. And now you're moving into Sovereign 2.0, which is, you know, this developer that's <clears throat> sitting alongside Rio Tinto with this huge project um, and putting, you know, bringing that project into fruition and development over the coming uh, coming months and years um, into markets that are obviously piquing everyone's interest right now. True. Okay. Well, so, so Sovereign Metals 2.0 with, with Rio there is, I guess, on paper, really, really good. But there's a little bit of doubt in people's minds as to you know what their intent is and, and what the upside is, quite frankly. Is this an exclusive arrangement? Can other strategics come in or is the door shut? Uh, well, according to the investment agreement, which is all you know public, um, Rio have uh, preemptive rights or pro you know pro rata rights on any future equity. Um, they have exclusivity over forty percent of the production coming out of Casia. Now, importantly, they have this option to become operator, um, and that option lapses one hundred and eighty days post us announcing the DFS. Uh, which we're doing in conjunction with Rio. So 180 days after the DFS, if Rio decides not to be operator, bearing in mind they don't tend to operate mines on behalf of juniors as a business model, so read into that what you will, they essentially uh, lose all their rights and just become shareholder like anyone else. Right. Okay. And it, but again, if if I'm looking at this as a shareholder, or, or you know, quite frankly, an investor looking into this thing, what's the possible upside in a scenario? In one sort of scenario, you think, well, maybe you, you guys get taken out for some derisory premium, twenty, thirty percent. In which case, that's what I'm in for. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. That's that's a nice uplift, uh, better than having money in the bank. But in terms of how do you drive that valuation and that that value? Um, along the, the phases, as it were. Because if, if, if I look at the market, since this graphite announcement's made, there's a few, obviously, smaller companies than yourself in, in the space who's seen a nice sort of bounce and reaction in terms of their share price. And hopefully that lasts and sustains because, you know, we need graphite. We need all the graphite. And yours hasn't. You've been fairly, fairly flat there. So what do you think is holding people back from, you know, buying into what you've got here? Good question. And if we uh, if we knew the exact answer, we wouldn't be at these uh, prices. Look, I'm not going to get into true, you know, intrinsic values of, uh, of of what our shares should be and where they should be trading. Simply going to put it out there that you know 
if you are holding the world's largest rutile deposit, which feeds into titanium, uh, which is in itself a critical mineral. I mean, even Apple's making phones out of titanium now. Um, alongside the rutile, you're getting this graphite out the ground that feeds into the lithium-ion battery space. And you, you could be the largest producer, the lowest cost producer of both those materials and the lowest CO2 impact, which, you know, for us is nice to have, but for those higher up in the supply chain is, is almost essential now. Um, should we be sat at around eight, nine percent of our NPV based on mining just 30 percent of this project? You know, probably not. Is, 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 is the answer. But look, those are the key highlights. And maybe some uh, some investors are not well attuned to Malawi because Malawi's uh, uh, mining space is still up and coming. They've only really built one mine in the last kind of decade or so. Um, but look what happened when we did the deal with Rio Tinto. The Ministry of Mines put out a press statement saying uh, how they welcome Rio's investments, how they wish that uh, other investors, blue chip companies, emulate Rio's investment and inwardly invest into Malawi. You know, the the, the, the pro- president, His Excellency himself, has been around seeing the likes of Joe Biden being in the UK as part of the UK Malawi uh, uh, Chamber of Commerce uh, meetings and saying, look, there, there's three pillars to our to Malawi's economic development, agriculture, tourism, and mining. Um, and all three require a lot of private investment going in there. Right. Okay. Now, it's, this was going to be my next question is, you know, in terms of um, the the jurisdictional component, you know, how, how people view that. I think you're probably talking about Calicara um, as the, the, I think, Lotus Energies um, project. Um is but I think they they would say the same thing. They would argue the same thing. That's actually a pretty good place to do to do mining. Um, well, look, um, I, th- I think in terms of what I've got from this conversation um, is that you recognise the importance of the, of the graphite, um, but you also you also I guess slightly frustrated um, by the kind of response from the from the marketplace more more broadly um, in terms of where where you're at. Do you think that you could have presented the PFS figures? slightly more aggressively. I, I get the conservative approach and that's probably welcomed by people like Rio Tinto, but the market yep. more broadly probably needs a little bit of help with with doing those numbers. Look, are they, are they going back to my analogy of Sovereign 1.0 and 2.0? Sovereign 1.0 as a standalone ASX junior, if I turned up on this uh, this interview and said, if I spend $2 billion on Casilla, the MPV is this and it'll last 100 years and I could call it a the entire graphite space, the titanium space, you'd probably sit there and go, but why are you worth what you are? I mean, you're asking that even with these conservative figures. So, so you know, there's, uh, I guess there's your answer. As we, I could not credibly, and I don't think uh, Frank could credibly come up as a, a junior and tell you that we could raise $2 billion by ourselves to build what should be, you know, a tier one, a tier one, multi-generational mine uh, producing two critical minerals. Whereas now we're building out the team. We've got Rio on board. We don't need cash. Um, We're just getting things done. The government's on side. 
looks like the macros with the commodities are on side as well. So um, let's just wait to see what we can do. Right, and Frank, just finish off with you. So obviously, um, we, we, we were chatting to Sapan about his, his views on, on the macro today. In terms of operationally on the ground, um, I know you're advancing relationships uh, in, in country. In terms of what you're seeing out there in terms of that kind of build in, environment, the costs, we've seen inflation, you know, knocking some some of these studies out of the water. Yours is fresh, out of the can, as it were, uh, your PFS. Um, how do you how do you see your ability to actually get things done in in country? I mean, you you're going to need licenses and permits and consensus and um, and, and and a lot a lot a lot of luck a lot along the way. One suspects with the, with with mining at the moment. So, um, you confident? Yes. Look, it's a it's a it's a new young mining sector in in Malawi. Um, they've they've haven't had much experience. Um, in, in the space. I think what helps with Rio is that it brings some credibility to the sector, some new focus from the government side. Up until four or five years ago, the Mines Department or Mines Ministry was a department of natural resources. Um, so there's a lot of capacity that needs to be built. Um, the will is there from their side. Um, unprecedented, they've established a, 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 a technical committee upon our request uh, earlier this year, specifically to work with us to help fast track uh, permitting. Um, you know, unlike other countries or other, you know, where I've worked in the past, the doors were generally always shut to us or to me to, if we wanted to have a, a meeting with the minister or the wise department or finance, justice or, or lands. It's very different in Malawi. You know, it's, it's the, the government is friendly, welcoming. They really see the mining sector and our Casia project specifically as, as something which is going to make a difference to the economic situation, the socioeconomic situation. So there's a lot of will, there's a lot of goodwill coming from their side. Um, and they want to fast track things. They they don't nobody wants to stand in the way or be responsible for delaying anything. So I think it's a very positive experience so far. Um and it's I think it's you know the welcome that Rio has received from the government has also been unprecedented. Um, so I think they are quite happy and impressed with what they've seen. Uh, so yes, I think we are we feeling we do feel confident that we're going to get these things over the line. And, and again, it's it's a project of scale which they haven't seen yet. So there's a lot of assistance from the government that's going to be required. But gladly, it's it's a positive experience so far. Okay, and remind me the delivery or the, the date, the timing that you're aiming for on the DFS is what, Frank? Um, so timing-wise, I think you know there's a, there's there's quite a bit of work that needs to happen now in terms of optimizing the PFS, um, getting everybody settled, the technical guys settled, getting the real real technical committee constituted, um, having you know them review the PFS, getting comfortable. So I'm. I'm expecting that process to take about six months, um, and ultimately, you know, a few things need to fall into place. I think for us to get a DFS done, where we can make a final investment decision, some of the permits will have to be in place, and some of the definitive agreements will have to be drafted. So, target-wise, I'm hoping to be in a in a position where we can make a final investment decision towards the end of 2025. Um, that's that's more or less 
what I'm hoping to achieve. Yeah. Fantastic. Well, hey, Frank, lovely to meet you. Um, Sapan, great to see you as always. Um, and uh, stay in touch, guys, okay? Will do. Thanks, Matthew. And you. Thanks.